my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 286. First of all, thank you so very much to everybody tuning in. This is an Ask Zach episode. In case you don't know what that is, Ask Zach is a segment where, really it's my favorite part of the show, where I read questions from the audience. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. What I do is if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to answer your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. And uh, that's what this is. I want to also encourage people, first of all, the, your support on Patreon uh, means a lot to me. It really, throughout this entire year, 2020 has been really weird and a lot of highs, a lot of lows. I really appreciate your guys' support. I'm going to speak for everybody on Patreon. If you have a Patreon account and people support you there, uh, having income that's reliable, I guess, really on Patreon is so, so helpful. And so I, I can't say thank you enough. I want to also encourage you guys. I want to make a change here with Ask Zach. Um, look, I get a lot of questions about big mainstream stories. And I want to encourage people, please do not waste your question on, like, for example, I got a lot of questions that were like, hey, can you talk about the Jaguars and the Dolphins from Thursday night? It's like, look, I, I'm already going to talk about that. That's a big major headlining story in the NFL this week. Uh, my hope is that we can use Ask Zach to either talk about storylines that I'm not doing a good enough job highlighting on my own or to answer, like, have a fun time and answer some questions that uh, I wouldn't normally talk about anyway. So I, I just encourage you, please do not waste your question. Uh, like, for example, um, the Packers play the Saints on Sunday Night Football this weekend. I'm going to talk about that. Like, of course I'm going to. Now, if you have some different, unique angle about it, please send in a question. If there's something I leave out of my uh, my game review when I talk about it this week, if there's something I leave out, feel free to send in a question. But don't please don't just send in a question saying, hey, talk about Packers Saints, because I'm going to talk about that game. So I just um, I, I want to ask people, please, like, let's be creative. Let's have some fun. And I, I want to use this time to answer questions about things that I don't normally talk about. So if we can do that, that would be, uh, I would really enjoy that. I'd really appreciate that. I just feel bad for people. You send in questions about things that I'm already going to talk about on the main show anyway. And uh, I just don't, I don't know. I don't want to waste people's time and waste people's questions. The first question of the day today is from Jacob. He writes in, he says, Do you now doubt your prediction for Denver at all, considering all of the injuries they've endured? So, yeah, I mean, Jacob, of course I do. Uh, I predicted the Denver Broncos to go 11-5 and this year. And, you know, <laughs> there's just no chance of that happening now. And it's so unfortunate. I feel so bad for... You know, the players, the fans, the organization in general. You know, the year started with Vaughn Miller getting hurt in a freak injury, in a freak accident, I guess. Just like a weird, like basically like a non-contact injury. Hurts a tendon in his leg, his ankle, I guess, and, you know, out pretty much for the year. We think he might be back, but it really kind of depends probably whether or not uh, the Broncos are even in contention near the end of the year. Cortland Sutton, their top receiver, tore his ACL. Now you have Drew Locke, the quarterback, out three to five weeks with a shoulder injury. The year has turned into a nightmare for the Denver Broncos, and it's so unfortunate, again, because I mean the, the pieces were there. They were building something. It was really, 
I was excited about the direction that Denver was headed. Even after the Von Miller injury, I went, okay, like that stinks, but we'll be okay. Let's see what happens. And I'm not, not we, I'm not a Broncos fan, but I wanted to see what was going to happen. And it just feels like the entire year is going to get wasted now. You know, I guess it's a year of progression. You have two young rookie receivers, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. They're going to try to get better, grow cohesion, get another year. You know, get It's their first year with a new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer. So this year now shifts from trying to make a playoff run to now growing as a young team together. It's unfortunate. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me very upset because uh, I had high hopes for Denver. And yeah, of course I'm going to change my prediction and kind of walk that back because the injuries they've had are staggering. You lose your starting quarterback, it's hard to recover from that no matter what team you are let alone a team growing with a young quarterback who you need to play well. So um, I just feel bad for Denver. Now, Lone Wolf writes in. He says, I'll do a fun one. If you could have any sports film made, who or what team would it be about? So in this hypothetical, I'm the one making the documentary, making the film. I would make a documentary about failed quarterbacks. I'd probably call it, you know, I'd probably call it just straight up failed quarterbacks. And I'd want to interview them. I'd want to talk to their family. I'd want to talk to analysts. What happened to said player? And it might be actually better as either it could be a long, you know, two hour, hour long documentary. It might be better though as a multi part series where each episode highlights a certain quarterback. But I'd want to talk to guys like, I mean, here's a couple names Tim Tebow, Brady Quinn, Blake Bortles, Jason Campbell, Brock Osweiler, Rex Grossman, Paxton Lynch, Mark Sanchez. You know, Jimmy Clausen, the guy drafted to the Carolina Panthers. What would you say about your career? I guess it's also interesting to ask. Like, if I asked Mark Sanchez and said, hey, dude, why were you a failure? And then even be like, do you consider yourself a failure? It's interesting. You know, there's so much blood, sweat, and tears that goes into becoming an NFL quarterback. I- I'm a failed quarterback in my own right. I-, I never lived up to my own hopes and dreams. And so I think it's incredibly relatable to talk to a guy who – maybe didn't live up to their dreams. Their dreams didn't quite come to fruition. Like, what happened to Jimmy Clausen? What is he doing now? How does he feel about his career? What would he say about what happened to him? Because he was a had a lot of expectations coming out of Notre Dame and never panned out. What do you say? Like, what, what do their family say about them? What do analysts say? I know hearing from maybe the Panthers why they drafted Jimmy Clausen, that's interesting to me. There's a story there, and every failed quarterback, quote-unquote failed quarterback, has a story. And whether they're a failure or not, like Blake Bortles might not feel like he's a failure. He's played, he's still in the NFL. He took his team to an AFC championship game. That's interesting. There's just so many good storylines there. And how guys explain what that happened in their career and reliving those moments, answering hard questions, uh, sharing some of their pain. I mean, there's probably tremendous heartache for guys like Brady Quinn, or you know Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch. These are guys who had high expectations and never quite lived up to them. There's a story there for sure. And so if I could make any kind of film or documentary in the sports world, really, I mean that's if someone said unlimited budget, I'd probably make I'd probably remake the Star Wars prequels because I I really want to make the Phantom Menace be good. Uh, I got a really fun idea there. And then after that, my next idea would probably literally be to. Make a film about failed quarterbacks. Now, a Star Wars movie is never going to happen. No one's ever going to fund that. I think if there's ever anything I could possibly have a realistic shot at making, it is this idea. I'd have a blast with it. I'd know what questions to ask. I'd know who to talk to. Their high school coach, the guy who drafted them, their dad, their mom, the guy himself. 
Uh, hopefully analysts that would talk to me. Trent Dilfer would be interesting to hear from because he coached a lot of these guys in high school. Like, I have so many questions, and it'd be fun to dive into why these guys didn't make it or even their hearts. Like, how do they feel about whether they made it or not? Uh, if I could make any film in the sports world, I would make a documentary about quote-unquote failed quarterbacks and even answering the question, again, did they fail or not in their own eyes? It's incredibly fascinating to me. And we have you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine episodes right there with Tim Tebow, Brady Quinn, Blake Bortles, Jason Campbell, Rex Grossman, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Jimmy Clausen, and Mark Sanchez. I mean, guys, I, I would love to do that. And uh, I guess maybe the benefit of putting it out there in this stupid Ask Zach segment, maybe someone hears it, wants to contact me. Let's do it. I'd love to make that happen if anyone wants to. And uh, please don't steal my idea. I'd be so disappointed. Uh, now, these are guys I'd love to make a film analysis for. It's down the road someday. Like, I want to dive into the film of Rex Grossman. Like, what the heck happened? But the reality is I want to talk to him, too. How cool would that be? And so, yeah, if I could make any documentary in the sports world, that's what it would be. Now, Braden writes in. He says, what was your earliest football memory? My earliest football memory. I've talked about this on the show before. Um... My brother and I used to play catch in our backyard. We had this little multicolored football. It was green and black. And uh, we had this. We lived in Portland, Oregon. And we had this backyard that was completely fenced in. And pretty, like, not a bad-sized yard. We were pretty lucky given where we were in southeast Portland. Kind of end of a end of a dead end, dirt road, in the middle of Portland. Kind of weird to live on a dirt road in the middle of Portland. But it's more common than you'd realize. And uh, our backyard was just a mud pit. And we'd play catch, you know, all winter long. I'd, I'd hound my brother, let's go outside, let's play catch. I wanted to play quarterback someday. I knew, you know, I was from a little kid early on. I knew I wanted to play quarterback someday, and I knew that uh, I needed to learn how to throw in the rain in order to do that because we live in the Pacific Northwest and it rains all the time. And really some of my favorite memories are just me and my brother would stand at either end of the yard, and we're like, I don't know, 11 years old, 10 years old, and we would just run at each other full speed and try to tackle each other and see what happens and just – cause chaos and we'd come inside just covered in mud and I man I, I had such a blast I miss you know my, my little brother died a couple years ago and I those are memories I wish I could talk to him about and relive with him because that was just such a blast and such a a fun bonding time uh, I guess also you know maybe that or watching football with my dad my dad and I were pretty close growing up and uh you know we we would he did a thing he did two meals you know my dad's a food guy he works in the food industry and uh, he does now, at least. As, you know, as, of course, as I grew up, he became a food writer. It's like, well, I missed out on the fun years of my dad. I could have had way more free food if I'd, he'd done that when I was a kid. Um, but my dad used to make, this is cheap and silly but fun. First of all, spaghetti, chili, and cheese is an incredible meal he made for football games back in the day. I remember watching Tim Tebow with my dad, and that meal was in our hands. Or just even the simple tortilla chips with melted cheese on top. You call it quote-unquote nachos that are just like, you know, fake trailer nachos. And uh, those are good memories, man. I've got a lot of memories. Football was just my childhood. I remember, you know, I always, I've had notebooks my entire life. My girlfriend makes fun of me. My friends make fun of me. I always watch football and movies with a notebook. Like, I will go to a movie theater with a full-on composition notebook, not even care that people make fun of me around me, because that's how I like to enjoy watching stuff. And uh, I still have notebooks when I'm like 10 years old, taking notes on players you know playing football just learning about the game and so I've always been that kind of weird nerdy kid who loved football and uh that's what I remember about football growing up as a kid 
Now, the next question of the day is from, maybe it's not, maybe it's a comment. Let's find out. I got the stupid auto lock thing where it reads my face. It, I, hate, I hate the new update. Uh, yeah, let's talk from Max. Let's hear from Max next. Max writes in. He says, hey, Zach, with the 2020 Tour, Tour de France wrapping up this week with a dramatic upset in the final stage, I was wondering if you'd ever consider following, not necessarily covering, professional cycling. I'm primarily a football fan, but your coverage of F1 has piqued my interest, and I wanted to return the favor. I've been a fan of cycling for many years, and many of the things you say you enjoy about F1 and baseball are present in major stage races like the Tour de France and, and then some word I've never heard of, Giro d'Italia? Giro d'Italia? Giro d'Italia? I have no idea, but a word I don't know how to pronounce. G-I-R-O d'Italia. I am sorry. I'm not from Europe. I apologize. I never even heard that in my life. I know Tour de France how to say that, kind of. Uh, there are races within races making the team strategies complex and diverse, depending on what rider, riders are in form. But it doesn't minimize the effect of star racers. There's nothing more dramatic than the two best racers separated by only a minute go one-on-one in a massive climb up the Alps for a mountaintop finish surrounded by crazy crowds after three, week, three weeks of brutal racing. The athleticism and determination by the riders is incredible, riding over 100 miles a day, climbing slopes of 20% inclines and sometimes reaching 50 miles an hour on descents. There is inter- and sometimes intra-team drama, and the surrounding vistas are incredible. I think the appeal of road cycling is the long buildup of tension you like in baseball. In America, it's largely been relegated to coverage of the drama around Lance Armstrong and the many doping scandals of the 90s and uh, early 2000s. But it's really cleaned up in the last decade, and the competition has been really good the last couple of years as young riders enter onto the scene. I think this sport could really use some positive American press. I'd love it if you could watch it or read a recap of the past week and give your thoughts on the show. It's a great story. So, Max, I wanted to read that. Um... So first of all, Max, I, I'm sure there's good storylines. I think pretty much any sport has opportunity for good storytelling. Um, now, honestly, man, I'm not going to follow a sport I'm not going to talk about on the podcast. Uh, my time is so limited, and I mean, I can't even follow everything I want to. I'd love to follow baseball. I, I have no idea how to do that, given that it's the peak NFL season. I'm trying to follow the NBA. I'm watching. I'm not talking about it yet. I'll probably cover the finals heavily. Um, man, I, <laughs> uh, I'd i watch a documentary about cycling. I would. It's interesting. Um, I, do, I, I do think it's sad that Lance Armstrong in America has become the only face we have for cycling. And therefore, cycling is looked at as this dirty, drug-fueled uh, thing. I'm sure it's much deeper and more interesting than that. But I don't. I don't see myself ever getting into cycling, um, and that's I I just can't cover everything. I, I've got limited time, and I've never felt compelled to follow it. And if I don't have a heart in it, it's probably not going to work for me. Like I cover Formula One because I love Formula One, which is a weird, unique thing. Like I don't know any other Americans in my life that like Formula One. I'm the only person I know in my entire childhood growing up that's enjoyed Formula One. I feel like a weirdo. Now, I've met people on the internet who agree with me, and that's awesome. Um, but I have to really be passionate about something to follow it and give it my heart and give it the proper time it deserves. And so I'll probably never cover cycling or the Tour de France. 
Um, but I'd love to watch a documentary about it. If there is one out there, please, Max, send me a message. I'd love to hear that. And uh, maybe I'll cover I, – I do cover documentaries because there were – covering a movie is, is so much simpler. So if there's a documentary out there, I'll watch it and make a video about it. That would be really fun and interesting. And uh, maybe even do a couple. I do a series about cycling documentaries. That sounds doable and fun and interesting to me. So, Max, follow up with me. I'd love to hear that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm probably never going to in real time follow cycling. It's also kind of crazy. Cycling goes on. A three-week race sounds insane to me. I don't know how you follow that. Um, I guess every day you're just checking in on your phone, seeing what happens. But I don't know that that sounds like something for me anyway. Uh, but Max, please send me cycling documentaries. I'm down to watch them and talk about them on the show. It sounds like a lot of fun to me. Now, the next question, this one might be a comment. Nope, it's still a question. Uh, well, I'll read Connor's comment first. Connor writes in, he says, My Falcons are terrible, Zach. I have no faith in Atlanta after what happened. He's talking about the Cowboys on Sunday. He says, The Falcons are the first team in NFL history to score 39 points with zero turnovers and lose the game. The all-time record is 441 and 1. We're the only team to lose when you score 39 points with zero turnovers and lose the game. I'm just sick of Dan Quinn, the head coach. He's take he's the king of blowing leads. Um Yeah, so first of all, Connor, thanks for your comment. I see a couple coaches on the hot seat right now. I see Adam Gase is, might be fired mid-season by the New York Jets. Matt Patricia in Detroit is in trouble, but I see no urgency to fire him. They might as well give him the rest of the year. Like, let's maybe let Matt Patricia finish out the year before you get rid of him. I think Dan Quinn is also on the hot seat, but he's a guy that, again, there's no urgency to fire Dan Quinn. Let's give him the year and then evaluate at the end of the year. And now the only reason why you would fire Matt Patricia or Dan Quinn before the year is over is if there's a job availability and you want to beat somebody. Let's say Eric Bieniemy is the head coach you really want. Fire your guy and go get him ASAP so you can get the coach you want. That would make sense to me. Kind of like, uh, man, Washington fired their coach early. There's who, who was it? Somebody fired their coach early last year. I think it was Washington. So they could go get Ron Rivera, I believe. Or maybe there's someone else who did that, but I, um, I think it was Washington because they wanted to get Ron Rivera after he got fired by Carolina. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe Carolina was on the fire somebody so they could get Matt Rule. I have no idea. But my point is there's no... Re- Problem, if you fire Dan Quinn mid-year because you want to go get Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, that makes sense to me. But otherwise, let Dan Quinn finish the year. But he's definitely on the hot seat and might be on his way out. Now, Randy writes in. Randy says, let's say hypothetically Mitch Trubisky has a solid year. Not an MVP year, but a pretty good year. What do you think is in his future? Should Chicago give him a decent contract and stick with him, or is he just far too inconsistent to take a chance on? Here's the problem, Randy. You don't want a good quarterback. You want a great quarterback. Like, do you want to win a Super Bowl, or do you want to be okay? Because even if Trubisky's average, you don't want an average quarterback. Every team should be in pursuit of a superstar quarterback. And I would not pay somebody or stay committed to somebody if they're average. There's better out there than average. There's already better guys on the market than Mitchell Trubisky today, right now. And so I don't understand why you would keep Mitchell Trubisky if he doesn't help you with your ultimate goal 
of winning a Super Bowl. If his contract is up, let him go. Let him walk away. Be gone with him. Go get somebody who's got an opportunity to become a superstar quarterback or at least help you win. Does that make sense? Like, never settle for average. So many people do it in life. You know, I, I'm getting really sick. I live in this area. I live in the Portland, Oregon area. And it's fine. Like, it's pretty. It's green. Um, it's it's not the worst place in America you could live, for sure, right? I'm not trying to say I live in a terrible crap hole. But it's not what I want. And I know there's better out there. And so I'm going to, at some point, move away from here because I don't want to settle for okay or good enough. I want to live somewhere where I'm really fulfilled and happy and feel good about. It's the same with the quarterback. Don't, don't be afraid of taking a risk to get rid of average to go get great. Never settle for okay when you can go get great. Trubisky's not great. He's okay at best. I, I don't understand... You know, if the Bears are too afraid to move on from Mitchell Trubisky after this year, if he's just average, and he's going to have to take a big step forward the rest of the year to convince me he's not just an average quarterback at best. And so I I do not, if the Bears, for whatever reason, stay committed to Mitchell Trubisky after this year, either he's going to have to win a lot of games and be incredible and be an MVP contender, or he's a guy I just walk away from. I I don't know how he possibly swings it that he would be so good, I'd want to keep him around after this year. I'm not a believer, and I don't understand why people settle for average when they could go get great. Okay, Bobby writes in. Bobby says, what's up, Zach? So it looks like after two weeks, the Jets are the worst team in football. Let's say they continue on, the, on this track and end up with a number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Do you draft Trevor Lawrence and ditch Sam Darnold? Personally, at this point, I believe that trading the pick for the Kings' ransom might be the best move. I think the issues are much deeper than QB, and while I do believe Lawrence is a great prospect, I don't think he's going to turn the team around by himself. That's probably true. He continues, he says, If you trade the pick you're talking about, at minimum having six first-round picks in the next two years, you can immediately draft positions like wide receiver and or some more Linemen invest in another pick in a solid corner. Those resources would be very enticing for a new coach to want to work with. What do you think? Bobby says, am I a delusional Sam Darnold fan? So, I guess, should you move on from Sam Darnold and get Trevor Lawrence? Um, I think it's worth considering. I think you should always consider every option you have. And it's there's nothing wrong with sitting down talking to Trevor Lawrence, and checking it out, right? I I don't see any problem with that. But it also, a huge part of this is something that I, Zach Schaumler, have no access to. Uh, Unless Sam Darnold wants to call me. My question would be, do the Jets believe in Sam Darnold, right? When they sit down in the room and talk to him, do they believe that he's got an opportunity to get better and move forward in the future? I wish I could be in the room and talk to Sam Darnold, be a part of the Jets this year as they try to evaluate whether or not to stick with him or draft Trevor Lawrence if they're in a position to maybe do that. Um, now, the situation with Sam may be unsalvageable. It's I love Sam Darnold. I'm a big supporter. I feel bad for the guy. I think he's been horribly uh, supported in his early in his career. But the reality is I would need to talk to Sam Darnold to know, is his confidence still there? Is his confidence shot? Uh, or is Sam Darnold's spirit broken? I mean, how? 
what fight will Sam Darnold have left after another abysmal year in New York? I don't know. If there's any reason to doubt Sam Darnold's desire to keep fighting, then I'd move on. But that's something I, I simply cannot know from my place in Vancouver, Washington. I just, I'm not, I can't know that. And that's, we can see good stuff on film. I mean, they're like, when you watch film of Justin Herbert at Oregon, I went, that's not good. But the reality is that if he, if he works his butt off and has a good attitude and learns a lot and studies really hard, Justin Herbert can still pan out. Like just because you see something on film doesn't necessarily mean you have access to all the information. And the information I don't have access to is what's Sam Darnold's heart like after this year. Um, my gut says Sam probably, I mean, I watch him play. You see on film, the dude's fighting. I think he's still in it so far. And if you can trade a King's ransom for Trevor Lawrence, keep Sam Darnold, get a bunch of pieces around him. That's awesome. Cause my fear too is okay. Get rid of Sam Darnold and you, you get rid of Sam Darnold. If, if he's just hopeless and discouraged and has no confidence then you got to get rid of him. But how much better off would you be with Trevor Lawrence? Like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is confident and young, but the roster still got problems. And do you have a new coach? Like, I don't think Trevor Lawrence by himself can save the Jets. I mean, Bobby's totally right with that. So the only reason I would move on from Sam is if his spirit is broken and his confidence is gone and you don't think you can make it work with him anymore. Okay, the next question is from Clutch God. Oh, man, I love this question. Clutch God writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, who are the players that you feel would have dominated in their sport had they not been hurt with the injury bug? Not football-specific, but just in general. Um, you know, so I, I pondered this for a while. I mean, RG3 comes to mind. It's interesting, but he's still in the league. And it's, it's kind of weird. RG3 is still a quarterback in the NFL, and nobody seemed to ever wanted him to try to be a franchise quarterback again after what happened uh, with— I think he went to the Browns, actually, briefly, if I remember correctly. That didn't work either. But no, my, my immediate gut reaction when I read this question was, I thought of the Portland Trailblazers in 2009. Was it 2008, 2009, roughly, where they had a shooting guard, Brandon Roy— who was the 2006 number six overall pick. And then they had a center, Greg Oden, who was the number one overall pick in 2007, who was drafted ahead of Kevin Durant. Both of them had tremendous, significant knee injuries. Greg Oden missed four years with knee injuries. And Brandon Roy left Portland at age 26 with knee injuries. And it's kind of crazy, like, when I played, you know, 2K back in the day, that's the NBA basketball video game, I always played with the Blazers because they were so dominant with Brandon Roy and Greg Ogden. Like, in a video game, in a simulation, in any situation where Brandon Roy and Greg Oden don't get hurt, they dominated the NBA. But the reality is that the injury bug hit him. Greg Oden never panned out. He was a giant bust, unfortunately, because, I mean, the expectations were there. And Brandon Roy, I mean, I remember he had, when I was a kid, I lived in the Portland area. He had this incredible shot for a buzzer beater I'll never forget. And it just didn't work. His knees never were reliable enough. He had, you know, he retired way too early. And it's just very sad. It's a shame that 
if Greg Oden and Brandon Roy had panned out, the NBA looks very different today. I I, I really believe that. Um, I I just it's it's so sad that now in the end Portland got um, Damian Lillard, which is good for them. But I really wish we could have seen Greg Oden and Brandon Roy maximize their potential in the NBA. If they hadn't gotten hurt, the NBA would be very different, and the Blazers would have had a very, very different last 10 years of their franchise. And uh, it's just a shame. It's sad. And uh, I was never a Blazer fan. In fact, when I was a kid, I was a Seattle Sonics fan. So my my two favorite teams when I was a kid were the Seattle Mariners and the Seattle Sonics. Never was a Seahawks fan. I don't know why. I just never, never was. I loved basketball and baseball as a kid. Watched them with my grandpa. And the Seattle Sonics moved away. <laughs> you know, they, my team doesn't exist. My favorite basketball team from growing up is no longer a basketball team. And I'm like, well, so when they left, I just said, screw it. I don't have a favorite team anymore. And then I reached a point with the Seattle Mariners where they were so bad for so many years in a row. And they made so many moves I did not agree with. I said, well, I can't support this. I'm not a fan of this team either. So I lost my two favorite teams as a kid. Uh, one was literally dissolved. And uh, I wasn't going to root for Oklahoma City Thunder. And the other one, I just said, I can't support this anymore. And um, I was never a Blazer fan, even though I lived in Portland. But it's sad that Portland never could figure it out with Greg Oden and Brandon Roy. That would have been an incredible, incredible situation if neither one of those guys had dealt with injuries the way that they did. Okay, Edward writes in, really thoughtful question here. Uh, Edward says, I love you, Zach. But I disagree with your line on Mitchell Trubisky and how you're only going to call him by his preferred name when he plays well. So if you don't remember, I had kind of a, a silly, sticky local sports radio idea like, well, if he plays bad, we'll call him Mitch. And if he plays well, we'll call him Mitchell. So Edward continues. He says, I definitely prefer the name Ed and would find it kind of rude if someone called me Edward, despite me repeatedly asking them not to. So, Ed, I apologize for calling you Edward. He says, you've often done a fantastic job at humanizing athletes, and I think that that ethos should apply here. Edward, that's fair. You know, actually, I I was trying to have fun with it. I wanted to make a silly, fun thing where, um, you know, if he does well, we give him a reward. If he's poor, we don't. Um, but I, I hope it didn't. I was not trying to be mean-spirited with my idea to have a fun, silly thing with Mitchell Trubisky's name. Um, I guess it'd be one thing if he was my buddy and I could easily joke with him in person. That's not the case. I, I can't actually interact with Mitchell Trubisky, uh, and he's not my friend. So I, I guess you know, I don't have a relationship with him where I could do that. Uh, I would like to think if I ever met Mitchell Trubisky, I would say, hey, man, what's up? Um, look, I, 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 I don't have any fear. I, I try to be very uh, – I say stuff I would have no fear saying to someone in person. I'd say, Mitch, I – Look, man, I, I want you to succeed. I don't, I don't like what you're doing as a quarterback, and I, I might even, I hope I would be able to say like, hey, I do this silly thing where when you have a bad game, I call you Mitch, and when you have a good game, I call you Mitchell. I hope I'd be able to say that to his face. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny too. I tried like this whole thing. I was like, well, I'm gonna call him Mitch the rest of the segment. I ended up calling him Mitchell like most of the time anyway. So, kind of a botched idea anyway. And. Um, yeah, Edward, if if it sounds like I'm being mean-spirited, I'll probably step away from it. I, that's not my intent there. Um, and I never – I know that – I just – I don't know. I, I, I'm i not that attached to it that I need to keep it going. So maybe I'll retire that idea after just one segment because it just didn't work that well and wasn't that interesting or that exciting. 
also wasn't that clever either. Okay, Carl writes in. He says, how long would you keep Patricia? So if you don't know, Matt Patricia is the Lions head coach. They're 0-2. They had an ugly loss week one at the end of the game to Chicago where they kind of blew a giant lead. Then they got blown out by the Packers in week two. Um, They play the Cardinals this week. That should be an ugly game as well. They'll probably start the year 0-3. So there are three coaches right now that I estimate are on the hot seat. You have Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Uh, he's probably, we'll see how the year goes. Dan Quinn is not a for sure fired, but he's on the hot seat. Uh, Dan, uh, what am I saying? Matt Patricia might be fired in Detroit. And then Adam Gase should be fired immediately. Adam Gase I would fire as soon as possible. Rescue Sam Darnold from Adam Gase. And then also make a move and go get Eric Bieniemy. If you are the New York Jets, go get Sam Darnold, the good offensive-minded coach, Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, that's a dude who should have been a head coach a couple of years ago. Talking to Brett Coleman about it, it's pretty obvious to me. Um, I I have less urgency to fire Matt Patricia. I don't see any reason why you don't let him finish the year. Uh, however, I mean, first of all, it's, it'd be fair to see Matt Patricia maybe makes progress. It's the jury style. It's, we've seen two games. I don't want to judge it too quickly. Uh, but I will say that his job is in jeopardy. And if the year keeps going the way it is, you probably will fire him at the end of the year. Now, the reason, if you find a reason to fire Matt Patricia early, it would be because you want to get him out of the job so you can make a play at the coach you really want. If the Lions really want Eric Bieniemy, that's a competitive guy that's going to be hard to get. So you might have to fire Matt Patricia earlier in the year to make a play at Eric Bieniemy, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, as early as possible. So that is why if the if the Lions fire Patricia early, it would be so they can make a play at the guy they really want and try to secure exactly the head coach that they want. Uh, but also, I mean, the Lions have a lot of questions moving forward. Are they going to keep Matthew Stafford, their quarterback? Or are they going to keep their general manager? Are they going to clean house entirely? I don't know. Um, if I were running the Lions, I would probably get rid of GM, coach, and quarterback. I love Matthew Stafford. It's not working there. I would reset, get a new guy. And uh, unfortunately, Matthew Stafford is still making a bunch of mistakes that I think are unbecoming of a guy. His He's a seasoned veteran, still making really bad mistakes, throwing bad interceptions that are costing his team a lot. And so I, I would completely clear house and reset if I was the person running the Detroit Lions. Okay, final question of the day. It's from Logan. Quick short episode, huh? Logan writes in, he says, um, let me find it. Logan says, the SEC is back, baby. I can't, I can't. I tried. I, Logan, I tried to bring the energy. I don't have it today. It's actually 6.08 in the morning right now, so I'm doing the best I can. Um, he says, well, in a few more days anyways, Zachariah, I have seen myself and others ask about Kyle Trask and never heard you say anything about him. Starting to think that the Zach Shack might be in Crack Jack. So I'm bringing my Trask back. Oh, my gosh. Logan, I love you. It's hard to read your questions. He says, you must tell me what you think of my man, Kyle, the goat Trask. You're a little hot here already. Uh, first of all, I hope you plan on doing a film analysis on the best quarterback in the SEC, obviously Kyle. Second, given the depth of this year's quarterback draft class, the additional year of eligibility given to all and the additional year of eligibility given to all the NCAA players recently. 
Do you think that Trask should stay for another year to improve his draft stock? Or has he put enough film out there to be a top five QB pick already? Uh, he is not a top five quarterback pick. Like, I'm really not that high on Kyle Trask. And I apologize, Logan. I know you're very hyped on this guy. Um, he's a huge dude. Like, physically, he's got some tools that you're excited about. Um, and that's not even true. You're excited about the size from Kyle Trask. That's about it. Uh, he's got a shockingly weak arm given how big he is. He's got poor mechanics. He doesn't use his legs very well. He doesn't use his core to generate force very well. Um, now, I I don't think it's fair to be harsh with Kyle Trask yet. Let's watch how the year goes. Uh, I'm curious to watch his development. He might get better as the year goes on. You never know. Based on what I've seen so far, I would want to see Kyle Trask stay in college as long as he possibly can. I'm not that high on him. Uh, that's kind of why I avoid talking about him because I know SEC fans love the guy. And I'm pretty like, yeah, Kyle Trask has got a lot of problems. Like, watch the dude throw the football. He's got a very, I would say, even below average arm. Where I'm like, that dude is that big and throwing the ball with that weak of a velocity. He's got a weak spiral, doesn't throw a lot of velocity. And that could all change. Remember, Joe Burrow, his first year at LSU was not the same quarterback as his second year. Maybe Kyle Trask takes a big step forward, so I have an open mind. He's worth paying attention to. I mean, he makes some solid decisions, um, but from a, a football, from an ability to throw the football standpoint, I'm not a big believer in Kyle Trask, but I have an open mind, and he could prove me wrong. He could change my mind. Prove me wrong is not the right way to put that. Kyle Trask could change my mind about him if he plays well enough. I have an open mind. Uh, I'm curious to watch how he develops, but I'm not very high on Kyle Trask right now. And uh, we'll see how the year goes on. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. That is Ask Zach. Um, send in your questions next week, guys. I want to hear questions that are maybe a little bit more, um, I don't want to say less generic, because that's not fair to you guys. I don't mean to insult you guys, but I let's have some fun. Ask me some stuff that I've never talked about before or about an obscure football team or a team that I don't talk. Like, is there a player you want to hear about that I don't talk about enough? I think Logan, at the very least, asking me about Kyle Trask is pretty cool because I've never talked about him before on the show. Um, I like That's a good use of the question. So just don't ask me about Monday Night Football. I'm going to talk about Monday Night Football. I, I ask people, please, um, use your question wisely and ask me something that uh, you think I'm probably not going to cover during the week anyway. Um but I, I hope it's clear. I love you guys. I appreciate you tremendously. And um, I mean, how many episodes did I put out this week? I, I'm proud of what I'm doing. I'm working my butt off. I'm trying to give as much content as I possibly can. And uh, enjoy college football today. If you're an F1 fan, enjoy the F1 race tomorrow. Enjoy the NFL Week 3 on Sunday. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.